stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm Chad. And I'm Emily. Welcome to the very first episode of The Long Road Home. The Long Road Home. This was all recorded in one take and didn't require any editing whatsoever. <laughs> no pressure. We learned we're really good at this. Yeah. Um, so this podcast is for people who have always been interested in the more mysterious corners of the universe, but maybe you never knew where to start. Yeah, we uh, really didn't. <laughs> we, sure, we sure didn't <laughs> no, no no well we've always been interested in things like spirituality and ufos and the occult but honestly we've never done any really deep dives up until now and we decided to make this podcast so just dabbling right dabbling now until now yeah so we're going to be learning with you about all these things and we're going to build a foundation for all the stuff that we're going to talk about in the future yeah. So, so what's the first uh, thing we're going to talk about, Emily? The first thing that we're going to talk about to kind of lay this solid foundation uh, is gray aliens. Gray aliens. Gray aliens. What are gray aliens? Who are gray aliens? Where are gray aliens? Well, I'll tell you where gray aliens are. Everywhere. They are. <laughs> Just everywhere. Scattered throughout They're history. They're in your home right now. You turn around. <laughs> Look behind you. Um, well, yeah, I mean, specifically since around uh, 1893. But if you've watched. Well, well, that's only if you don't adhere to like ancient aliens. Ancient aliens. I think it was uh, season four, maybe episode seven. I'm know. totally guessing. But it was the gray aliens episode. And uh, they kind of said that gray aliens kind of <laughs> they speculated that gray aliens have been around as long as humanity itself has been around. Could be. Could be. Who knows? Well, um, uh, apparently there are different depictions of gray aliens in uh, artworks and cave paintings from South America to Egypt to Africa. But, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure how I feel about these quote unquote gray aliens. They definitely didn't look like your average depiction of gray aliens that we know and love today. Well, according to Alien Wiki... Researchers and enthusiasts attempt to separate grays, zetas, orions, and browns. We're not going to get any of those in an effort to create a taxonomy when they're really one and the same. So, so there's different types of grays is what they're saying. They're, they're, but they're all grays. But they're all grays. Okay. <sighs> you know, A rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle. Okay. <laughs> is that right? Okay, yeah. Is I that mean, the saying? Yes, that is the same. Could be. You got it. <laughs> well, you know, I guess that's something that I have to accept. But for for now, we're going to start our gray alien history in 1893 with the the one and only H.G. Wells. Yeah. And if for some reason you don't know who he is, uh, extremely famous science fiction writer, H.G. Wells. He wrote The War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man. God, what else? The Time Machine, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Oh, and, and the first men in the moon. First men inside Not the moon. Not on the moon, inside of it. H.G. Wells was also a renowned futurist, which a lot of the science fiction writers of that time kind of were. Wells himself foresaw things like tanks and aircraft, space travel, and even the things that we know as gray aliens today, kind well, of. Well, yeah, interestingly enough, he, he did 
attempt to predict what humanity would look like in the year one million. So he he wrote an article. Um, I think it was he was around age 27 when he wrote this. It was in 1893. So really before any of his well-known novels came out. The article was called Man of the Year Million. And in the Man of the Year Million, he he kind of attempted to predict what humankind would look like. And what would they um, look like? So this is this is what he said. The descendants of man will nourish themselves by immersion in nutritive fluid. They will have enormous brains, liquid soulful eyes, and large hands on which they will hop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The hopping is what gets me. Um, We will continue. No craggy nose will they have. No vestigial ears. Their mouths will be small, perfectly round aperture, unanimal like the evening star. Whatever. Whatever that means. The star, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's he's comparing their mouth to the north to the north star. Perfectly so. round. Perfectly round. Okay. All right. I don't know. Their whole muscular system will be shriveled to nothing, a dangling pendant to their minds. The the funny thing was is that the editors of of uh Excuse me. The editors at Punch, uh, which published his article, found this prediction hilarious, and they ended up accompanying it with a sketch of these lopsided future humans. So we will post that that sketch on our Instagram page at the underscore LRH underscore pod. But essentially, they they thought that these these characters kind of or this uh, future human looked like a tadpole. But instead of a tail, he has just little little hands dangling off. It's of really his large, oversized it's, it's head. It's so stupid. So it's, you'll see that one isn't was in one is in a pond there. Um, he's swimming around, and the other guys, I assume, are just hop hopping around, enjoying themselves. It's dumb. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it at all. But this is the first really uh, depiction that we see of Greys. Now, the bodies themselves don't look like what we know Greys to look like no, today. No, they got no legs. They don't have legs or I bet they're strong swimmers. Or... That's why he's in the swimming pool, because they, no bo- <laughs> they got no legs. Just paddling with his little, not little, giant hands. Um, but the head, hands. you'll notice that the head and eyeballs uh, are very similar to, um, like, right here, what's on my shirt. This little guy. She has an alien on her shirt. I have a gray alien on my shirt today in honor of this podcast. Um, so that is the first depiction in writing that we see for gray aliens. The next time that we see um, something similar to a gray alien depicted is in Dun Okanda Farren. Dun Okanda Farren. Dun. That's Den, not right. Dun Okanda. Dun Okanda. It's not, you're right. I, I can't kind of do a, I just learned I can't do a Swedish kind of accent. Fun. I don't know. Um, it's, but it's also the, uh, the Unknown Danger by Gustav Sandgren, uh, published in 1901. He's a Swedish author. That's Swedish. In, in which he describes the race of extraterrestrials. The creatures did not resemble any race of humans. They were short, shorter than the average Japanese, and their heads. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> and their heads were big and bald, with strong, square foreheads and very small noses and mouths and weak chins. What was most extraordinary about them were the eyes, large, dark, gleaming with a sharp gaze. They wore clothes made of soft gray fabric, and their limbs seemed to be similar to those of humans. The novel, aimed 
at the oh. young <laughs> right there at the end of it <laughs> okay. of humans <laughs> um this was a novel that was aimed at young readers uh ya um but again, if you look at our Instagram page, we will publish the cover of this novel where you'll see another classic depiction of a gray alien. And this, he kind of looks a little more green, but he has the classic um, large eyes and oversized head and small uh, nose and mouth and ears. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. I mean, God, he looks like something. I can't remember what. It's not Marvin the Martian, but it's something... Ah, uh, what the Flintstones, the little green alien. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. God, Fred Flintstone had this little green There's alien. There's an alien in Fred Flintstone? Yeah, he'd show up and just raise hill Flintstone? for a couple episodes. Yeah, I swear to or God. Or the, the other one, the Jetsons? No, it wasn't the Jetsons. There was an alien on the Flintstones. Look it up. Okay. T.O. everybody, this is important. The Great Gazoo? The Great Gazoo. He had his own TV show after a while. I do remember the Great Gazoo. What was he doing there? Just fucking with shit. Just messing around. Hmm. It was he was like a spirit. Only Fred Flintstone. No, could he see him. does Maybe have Fred the Flintstone large schizophrenic. Maybe hot, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. Everybody. Um, Maybe none of those. You know, he doesn't. He real. doesn't necessarily have the large <laughs> eyes. <laughs> um. He doesn't necessarily have the large eyes. And again, this, this character has a large nose. But in Don Okanda Farin, he, he kind of looks like our classic gray. He does. And that <clears throat> man has a sweet, sweet space helmet. <laughs> so the next time we see a, a gray alien-like figure in history is around 50 years later in Brazil. We meet Antonio Villas Boas. The year is 1957, and he's our first abductee in Brazil. We will get back into his actual story of his abduction, but first we're going to talk about his his uh, depiction of the Greys. So he described them to be around five feet tall, uh, humanoids wearing gray coveralls and a helmet. Its eyes were small and blue, and instead of speech, it made noises like barks or yelps. Um, me, 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 me. me, me. Can you imagine me, me, how terrifying me, me, me. that would be? Just seeing like a small, uh, discolored man just going. He's terrified. I'd lose my mind. <laughs> I would need one of those newfangled lobotomies. Oh, God. <laughs> the year was 1957. Um, anyway, he later encountered a female gray who he described as very attractive well and naked but again we'll we'll go we'll come back to that she was the same height as the other beings uh with a small pointed chin and large blue cat-like eyes the next part is interesting so <laughs> forgive me while i compose myself the hair on her head was long and white, somewhat like platinum blonde hair. But her underarm and pubic hair, however, was bright red. That's how I like them. <laughs> oh, God. Blue with blonde hair and red pubes. <laughs> and so, I can't even look at you right so, now. I can't even look at you right now. But I did, I did prepare a joke. Um, you know that they say about a woman with red pubic hair? What did they say? You're playing with fire. But don't. I couldn't decide if I should look up more. I figured now that imagine, one was bad enough. Now imagine a blue woman going. Did it land? No. 
Did the joke land? <laughs> um, so, yes, again, we'll, we'll come back to Antonio's experience, but that, that is what he depicted the gray aliens that he encountered. Chad, go ahead and tell us about Betty and Barney Hill's description. Betty and Barney Hill's abduction story is probably one that you've heard somewhere. It's definitely one of the most famous ones. There are a couple of different depictions. The one you'll hear most is is Betty Hill's, but it's also something that she dreamed. It's similar-ish to what Antonio had to say. So Betty's depiction in her dreams were men that stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms. They had caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human, with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin was a grayish color. So I have pulled a lot of stuff for later in the show from a book called Captured! The Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience. In it, I found out that this depiction is not the, the one that she recounted while she was under hypnosis later years later after the actual abduction. So essentially, Betty, after her encounter, blacked out most of it, but had very vivid dreams and then later pursued a, a hypnotist. Am I right? Yeah. And then it's, he kind yeah, of brought out a, a more clear description of, of what she saw. Yeah. Initially, they weren't pursuing hypnotists. They were kind of keeping it under wraps. And then right. this event happens and... We might end up doing a whole episode on them because everyone does one, but it's super interesting and it's really cool. And I mean, really, I feel like I learn something new every time I, I hear about them. I love them so much. And uh, yeah, and a lot of people there are skeptics, just like fucking everything. And that's why we're here. Exactly. We're gonna weed it all out for you. So in her dreams, according to her, the men stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. Their skin was a grayish color. So that was what <clears throat> she saw in her dream. Yes, that's what she saw in her dream. Eventually, the Hills did decide to go under hypnosis to try and recall some of their memories. During her hypnosis, she brings up several different sorts of beings that she encountered on the ship. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So under hypnosis, Betty revealed that she had seen 11 aliens during the encounter, which is the same thing as Barney Hill. Oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. The, okay, sorry. Yeah, a lot of the recall is the same. It's, it's. I knew that part, but I didn't know that they had the same recollection, like or they had recalled the same number of aliens. Yes, they both sort of... It varies from place to place, but eventually they, they both do come to a similar number throughout the hypnoses. So the 11 did closely resemble each other. They had normal individual differences, but at least one of them was physically different from the rest. He was diminu di diminutive. Diminutive. <laughs> he was diminutive in size, approximately three and a half feet tall. His head resembled a basketball with an enlarged cranial structure, but a flat, large eyed face. The vertical measurement of his ocular orbit was longer than wide, and the eye extended slightly beyond the human eye to the eyes of the face. Either the iris was very dark, or the pupil was extremely large, as it filled up most of the visible portion of the eye, leaving very little white or yellowish-white showing. Uh, his nose was broad, flat, and small, with a thin, wide slit for a mouth, and he was sturdy. He had a thick <laughs> neck, broad shoulders, and a barrel chest. Um, he had stub fingers, four of them, and a thumb. Eventually, according to her, it seems like he was the... Uh, was he the leader or the examiner? 
He wasn't the examiner. Okay. He was he was just like the shady alien, just chilling in like the shadows, giving her bad stink eye. Oh, yeah, I don't um, like that. Yeah, towards the end of her experience, she asked to take a book. The examiner allowed her to, but he went up and and, and took the book from her and threw it. I'm assuming. And then they were and like, "You're not allowed to have the book." And yeah. also. You're not allowed to remember any of yeah, this. Yeah, and he stomped away because he's tiny and just mad about it. And sturdy. I know the anger of short people because <laughs> I'm one of you. No. <laughs> um, Napoleon complex. Yeah, lots of them. So that's just one of the aliens that she claims to have seen. There was another one that she referred to as the examiner. They were four and a half feet tall. Their head shape was more like ours and did not seem to be as large in size as the quote unquote little guy, but more in proportion to his body size. He also seemed bumpy. Bumpy? <laughs> bumpy. I Interesting. Just, yeah. I don't know if I've seen that yet. So there's the examiner, stubby dude, and also what who she called the leader, who was good looking, who having a who, oh. who, who looked closer in resemblance to a human. But his bumpy. face no, this no, is no, a different. Excuse one. me. Sorry. Yeah. His face was triangular shaped, tapering down to a very small chin and, and jawbone. He also had a very small mouth and a nose, and he was about five feet tall. So she saw several different different uh, grays. Well, you know, when you think about it, there's lots of different types of humans. Yeah, exactly. Everybody looks. Some different. people don't get good genes, and they're <laughs> mad about it because they're under five foot nine. Is that why they're here? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> they're trying to get them strong chins, them strong jawlines. I do like a good jawline. You can have some of mine. So. The last depiction that I wanted to include was that of Whitley Strieber, uh, who wrote the nonfiction novel Communion. Uh, Interestingly enough, he was a horror author um, who claims to have had his own encounter with a gray. Um, And you can see his depiction on the very cover of this this nonfiction novel, it's and unsettling. <laughs> it's unsettling. That it, that is kind of what solidified the idea of what aliens looked like in the minds of Americans and the minds of the world. Yeah, it's a creepy painting. It's like one of the like classic, I, classic grandma, weak chin, big eyes. Your my grandma? Gra- my, well, my grandma had this really uncomfortable clown painting oh. for a long time, and I had to sleep in that room. And it always, I would just like. I mean, everyone had a creepy clown painting, I guess. Did the eyes follow you? I don't know. I tried really hard not to look at it, but it was there. And that's what the alien painting reminds me of. Just unsettling. Yeah. 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 So again, um, we, we, we might touch on that a little bit later, but that is what we know um, a gray alien to be and look like. So where did they come from? That is the question. Betty Hill, when she was in the room with the examiner, he presented to her a 3D, kind of a 3D map. She said it was like looking in through a window. Um, so like a hologram. Yeah. He didn't specifically say that they were from Zeta Reticuli. He he didn't even know where they were. He asked her, where are we? Or can you show us where <laughs> you are from on this map? And I she was like, that. I don't know. So, I love that, that he's like, he's like the doctor or the examiner or whatever. And he's just like, that is not my job. Not my <laughs> where job. Where are we? Not yeah. my job. He was lost. He didn't, he didn't give a fuck where they were. He was just probing people. <laughs> he didn't care at all. So she was shown a map and she did draw it from memory. And eventually someone by the name of Marjorie Fisher did. Oh, wait. So the map that Betty was shown had many stars 
and after recalling it from hypnosis, she drew only those that stood out in her memory. Her map consists of 12 prominent stars connected by lines and three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She was told the stars connected by solid lines formed trade routes, whereas dash lines were to less traveled stars or exploratory routes. Gotcha. So then it was Marjorie Fisher uh, who who later kind of um, speculated then that that's where these yeah. these aliens are from. Gotcha. Okay. So Marjorie was an elementary school teacher and an amateur astronomer, and was intrigued by this star map. So she uh, began to attempt to decipher it, and essentially uh, she assumed that one of the fifteen stars of the map must re- represent the Earth's sun. Um, she constructed a three dimensional model of nearby sun like stars using threads and beads, basing stellar distances on those published in the 1969 Glee's Star Catalog. So she basically studied thousands of different vantage points over the course of several years. The only one that seemed to match the hill map was from the viewpoint of the binary star system of Zeta Reticuli. It's good. Of Zeta Reticuli. You got of it. Zeta Reticuli. <laughs> God damn it. Zeta Reticuli. <laughs> oh. it's a so mouthful. tell us about a binary star system, Chad. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Well. I'm, I'm no scientist. But, <laughs> so a binary star system, according to Wikipedia, it consists of two stars orbiting around a common barycenter. Yeah. So what's a barycenter? A barycenter <laughs> is the center of mass of two or more bodies that orbit one another and is the point about which the bodies orbit. <laughs> so essentially these, these two stars are orbit, just swinging around uh, orbiting around one fixated point. Uh, yes. I, or I, or, I or one, one mass. Based on the, the three senses I just read, I don't have enough information to confirm that. We're going to say maybe... It, yeah, I mean, look at this. Wikipedia <laughs> has this little this little GIF. Again, you're learning along with us, folks. Yep, Join we're us. learning. That's something that I found happens really fast with doing this stuff. Now that I'm actually like digging in, it is a cobweb of shit, and one thing branches off into a million other things. So it's really, really hard to stay focused on just literally anything at all. Just buckle up, because <laughs> there's so much more weird. Buckle up, buckaroos. Yeah, we're going for a ride. Um. So I guess so Marjorie Fisher, <laughs> though, she's she she claimed to have found the, uh, the star system that these gray aliens were from. Yes. OK. And there's a lot of skepticism okay. involved in that. And they said anyone could throw that up on a star map and figure something out. I mean, this is true, but it was 1968. So let's give Marjorie it a little was, credit. I mean, I mean, she did spend a lot, a lot of, of time. Work. She spent a lot of time <laughs> doing, doing that. this. It's easy in the year 2020 to look over at Marjorie's work and maybe say that she could have done it a little more thoroughly. Yeah. Um, but it, but again, I mean, you go, girl. I, I like to think that she she's onto something. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking a lot of work. I do want to touch on one more thing with Marjorie here. Okay. Um, so she ended up sending her analysis um, to a variety of different people. One of those people being uh, Terrence Dickinson, uh, editor of the popular magazine Astronomy. Dickinson did not endorse Fish and Webb's conclusions, but for the first time in the journal's history, Astronomy invited comments and debate on a UFO report. Uh, starting with an operating article in the December 1974 issue. So whether or not Marjorie was 
fully accurate or thorough um, in in her theory, uh, she still started a really cool conversation, a conversation that's going on to this day. Yeah, definitely. And the thing about UFOs is you can say, <laughs> and the thing about UFOs is you can say they're not here. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the thing about UFOs is, <laughs> God damn it, Charles. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, and you know, the thing about UFOs is you... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> go let him uh, out. Right, I'll go let him out. Aw, baby. He says, what's the thing about UFOs? <laughs> so, chat, what is the thing about UFOs? The thing about UFOs is you don't have proof that they're not here. So it's good to have conversations. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It took a long time to get that out. I mean, was it worth it? I think so. <laughs> was it worth it, though? Okay. I am encouraging conversation. Okay. So, yeah, maybe. Could be. Well, um, tell us a little about, tell us a little bit about um, Grey's and politics, maybe. All right, everyone. I don't know if you knew this. I sure didn't. In uh oh my god (laughs) buckle up literally um get ready to get in a car and go to the dentist with dwight d eisenhower did you say dentist yeah yeah okay so this article comes from medium but there's this is sort of a summary of a larger paper that was written by someone named oh Michael E. Sala. I think that's how you say his name. Gotcha. Um, Michael Sala. So, Dr. And Michael he's, Sala. He, yeah, Dr. Michael Sala. He, he is, uh, I think he's a, doc- he's, he is a doctor according to Coast to Coast AM. And himself. He's a pioneer in the development of exopolitics. He's the author of several books that include Kennedy's Last Stand and Galactic Diplomacy. He was uh, he worked as an assistant professor at the American University, PhD from the University of Queensland, Australia. So, so he is a doctor. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But essentially, he did he he did write this paper. It all started in 1953. <laughs> I just, <laughs> dude, no, it's ridiculous. Um, according to his paper which you can find on exopolitics.org, which I'm assuming is his site. In 1953, astronomers discovered large objects in space which were moving towards the Earth. It was first believed that they were asteroids. Later evidence proved that the objects could only be spaceships. Of course. Yes. Project Sigma intercepted alien radio communications. When the objects reached the Earth, they took up a very hot orbit around the equator. There were several huge ships, and their actual intent was unknown. Project Sigma and a new Project Plato through radio communications using the computer binary language, was able to arrange a landing that resulted in face-to-face contact with alien beings from another planet. Okay, um, so I'm just walk me through what you just said. So essentially, <laughs> basically, in 1953... So, yeah, astronomers found these large objects flying through space. They came to Earth. We contacted them with binary, which is a series of one zeros. You can't fuck it up. It either is or it isn't. And they met with Dwight D. Eisenhower. You heard it. Not for me first, Whoa. but I'm spreading the word. Whoa. We met him. We had it. First contact is happening. So alone. He would. If you want to look at this, it's on exopolitics.org. Uh, if you ever want a link, just DM our Instagram. We're going to, yeah, or our Twitter or whatever. 
and I, we can try and get you the link. It's, <laughs> it's exopolitics.org. I don't know what else is on here. I've not bothered to I'm look. sure there's plenty. Yeah. It sounds like there's going to um, be plenty of information. But we're going to go to medium.com. They condensed this a little bit. Sorry. We're going to skip ahead to uh, 1954. When, on the night and early hours of February 20th... Oh, I guess I should say, this is an excerpt from his paper. No, so they just sort of ripped out pieces. Gotcha. Yeah. So, on the night and early hours of February 20th and 21st, 1954, while on a quote-unquote vacation to Palm Springs, California, President mm-hmm. Dwight Eisenhower went missing and allegedly, allegedly was taken to Edwards Air Force Base for a secret meeting. When he showed up the next morning at a church service in Los Angeles, reporters were told that he had to have emergency dental treatment the previous evening and had visited a local dentist. The dentist later appeared at a function that evening and presented... (laughs) This is a terrible sentence. Yeah. The dentist later appeared at a function that evening and was presented as the dentist who had treated Eisenhower. The missing night and morning has subsequently fueled rumors that Eisenhower was using the alleged dentist visit as a cover for an extraordinary event. The event is possibly the most significant that any American president could have conducted. An alleged first contact meeting with extraterrestrials at Edwards Air Force Base. So, this is allegedly, according to him, is backed up by several people that were in the military. Um, wow. We have U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant Charles Suggs, his father, a U.S. Navy commander, Charles Suggs, along with former <laughs> President Eisenhower, or at the time, President Eisenhower. So... The thing is, this isn't the only time they meet him. So this is the first meeting, right? That's just the first meeting with Eisenhower. So, so these beings are described as what we call Nordics, which is something we're not going to go into on this podcast. Different type of alien. Yeah, it's just a different type of alien. They have blue eyes. They're beautiful Swedish people. But still with probably grayish skin? No. They no. look like us. Oh. They very specifically look like us. So what if God yeah, was Nords. one of them? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so there were three of them. Two of them spoke with Eisenhower. Why a third sort of was a lookout. I don't know why they needed a lookout. Um, they told Eisenhower they wanted to enact a treaty. And this is not part of the paper anymore. They, they wanted to enact a treaty with us according to which they would assist us in our spiritual development on the conditions of voluntary nuclear disarmament. Uh, Eisenhower did not like that. Of course. At all. Did not like classic the idea. Classic Eisenhower. Classic. They didn't want, they didn't like the thought of there being aliens on top of, I'm assuming, Russians at the time. And those damn Viet Cong causing trouble. Well, yeah. You think that Eisenhower would be into no. spiritual development over military disarmament? Like, like put down your weapons and learn how to develop your... Spiritualities. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't that doesn't um, sound like uh, on par with um, his agenda. Yeah. So we're gonna sort of skip ahead a little bit. Basically, he told them no, and they left. Right. There was, however, another encounter with another race at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, which was not far from Roswell. Gotcha. Yeah, so let's see. Classic story, 1947, Mm -hmm. Roswell. I don't know if we're going to have time to get into that on this episode, but again, look into it. Laying a foundation. This is talking about the the first encounter with the Nordics before we go into the other shit. So uh, the race stated that we were on a path of self-destruction and we must stop killing each other, stop polluting the earth, stop raping the earth's natural resources, and learn to live in harmony. 
These terms were met with extreme suspicion, especially the major condition of nuclear disarmament. It was what? Yeah. <laughs> World peace? Not today. Who needs it? We don't want we... none of that junk. <laughs> we're gonna uh, cling to these guns. Yeah. So the overtures were rejected. So this is this. Uh, that quote and the next one is coming from uh, another military testimony. Uh, Naval intelligence officer William Cooper, who served as commander of the Pacific Fleet between 1970 and 1973. He gave us that quote, and he also tells us that later in 1954, the race of large-nosed gray aliens, which had been orbiting the Earth, landed at Holloman Air Force Base. A basic agreement was reached. This race identified themselves as originating from a planet around a red star in the constellation of Orion, which we call Betelgeuse. They stated that their planet was dying, and at some unknown future time, they would no longer be able to survive there. So, these were greys. Another... But these greys are from... They're everywhere. Betelgeuse? We we told you they're everywhere. Yeah, Betelgeuse. (gasps) Third time, where is he? Hey, how you doing? (laughs) God, I love that movie. We watched it on Easter. It was wonderful. And uh, that guy played Batman. (laughs) <laughs> he, you know, he's uh, a well-rounded actor. Mm-hmm. So, the the Greys, the Eisenhower met with, the, uh, they signed a treaty with Eisenhower. Eisenhower accepted their terms. So the deal that they negotiated, according to uh, him, that or to, the deal that was negotiated according to Cooper is that the beings were permitted to abduct a certain number of humans on the condition that they were returned and that a complete list of names of those who had been abducted were submitted to the legendary Majestic 12, who I'm not going to begin to talk about because that is a whole nother cobweb of shit that... It goes all the way to the top. All the way to the top. All the way to the top. Every single time. Really, though? unbelievable. Deep down into the (laughs) underbelly of the world, and then also simultaneously all the way to the top. Every single thing that I've said could be a whole hours-long episode. That's why we're here, folks. Step one, baby. Great aliens. So We'll get there. Come to find out, (laughs) guess what? The Greys lied to us. So by 1955, it became obvious that the aliens had deceived Dwight D. Eisenhower and had broken the treaty. It was suspected that the aliens were not submitting a complete list of human contacts and abductees to the Majesty 12, and it was suspected that not all abductees had been returned. The deal was, they got to abduct people, and we got their technology, if they were allowed to abduct people. Gotcha. So this gets into a whole other theory that I have. Maybe we'll get to on another episode about the very, very uh, wealthy elite um, just living in a far, far more advanced technological way than we we are today. It's a technological disparity. (laughs) Look at Vancouver. I mean, right there. There you have it. Rothschilds had 15 hearts in his body at the same time. Just pumping blood. <laughs> Just pumping it. Again, one step at a time. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't get the technology we wanted. They're abducting people. So, all in all, not a great deal. This is, there's so much ridiculous information on this topic. That's basically the gist of it. I would highly recommend 
checking out uh, this Medium article. Just search uh, 1954 Records, Dwight D. Eisenhower, medium.com, something like that. Or you can just go read the whole thing, which is in simple HTML text on exopolitics.org. Dwight D. Eisenhower, Alien Encounters. Look it up. There's a lot to learn. Yes. Well, we will definitely have to get into it on another episode. But for now, we are sticking with great alien encounters, leading us to abductions and experiences, which I guess we're going to have to cover in part two. Part two. Part two. It's a two-parter. We talked for so long. <laughs> I can't believe it. For really, though. Yeah, we're really glad you guys chose to stick it out and listen to our first episode. We really appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. We're so happy you decided to check us out on whatever platform you're using to listen to podcasts. And we wanted to let you know that there are going to be tons of different ways that you can interact with us and get more of the content that you're craving. We're going to initially be a bi-monthly podcast, so you can keep up on what's happening with us over on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore LRH underscore pod. You can also follow us on Twitch at the underscore LRH underscore pod, where we will be filling in the weeks without a podcast release with a cool way for you to interact with us. This is something that I'm really excited about. We wanted to make a community here, and what better way than to have our listeners join us and watch weird videos, discuss episodes, play games, answer questions, and talk about potential ideas for future episodes. Also, we would love to hear stories from you all. If you have an interesting paranormal experience or you know something about one of the topics that we're talking about on the episodes, you can email us at thelrhshow at gmail.com and let us know because, like I said, we'd love to hear from you. Finally, uh, before we let you guys go, if you've liked the content that you've been listening to today, please go and hit that subscribe button at the top of your page. And uh, while you're at it, maybe give us give us a five star rating. What's it What's it going to cost you? Yeah, that would be so awesome. Uh, leave nice comments. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Like I said, all of it is going to help us into the future, and we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that's it. So once again. Thank you guys for joining us here on The Long Road Home. We will see you soon. Bye. Bye.